What is up, one and all? Good lord, I am in a fantastic mood. Goodness gracious, we are about five minutes, literally five minutes, after the United States just beat Mexico in the 2021 Gold Cup Final. Good lord, the heights that this team can go to is ridiculous. This team, we talked about this at the start of the tournament, and we mentioned it almost the entirety of the tournament. This United States team was a C-plus to a B-minus squad. This team's purpose was to fill out the rest of the squad for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. That's what the purpose of this team was for. People were talking about, oh, it's not ambitious, oh, we're not wired, Pulisic, Rain, and all these guys, not in the tournament. It's because, one, they have club commitments, and two, we already know they're going to the World Cup, and we got World Cup qualifiers coming up. We don't need to waste them now after watching what happened back in 2017 when they couldn't even make the World Cup in 2018, couldn't even beat Trinidad and Tobago, okay? So this squad is literally just used to build that squad. The Out of the big squad, the big teams in this tournament, so we're talking about United States, Mexico, Canada, Costa Rica, Qatar, Honduras, uh, who else is in there? Jamaica. There's some others in there that I'm completely forgetting right now. But those teams brought their A-teams or something close to their A-teams. The United States did not. Mexico, out of the rest of the big, however many teams I mentioned, brought a lower level. They did not bring all of their best players, but it was pretty damn close to being an A-team. And the United States comes out victorious in Las Vegas, beating Mexico in front of a primarily Mexican favorite crowd and wins amazingly huge underdogs in this game and they did not this isn't a game that the United States stole from Mexico by any stretch of the imagination there were a few lopsided things in the first half but as the game grew the United States looked like they grew with the game Mexico did not the United States looked a lot more threatening in the second half had a lot of very nice chances Hoppy had a, a few nice chances. Jesse Zardes had a few nice chances. Busio had a shot that went over the bar. They had some very nice opportunities. Mexico obviously had theirs as well, but they weren't really like, oh my God, they almost, oh my God, the United States escaped one there. The closest shot, other than the Miles Robinson goal, was Matthew Hoppy's header that went right past the bar in the first half. Went right past the net. And it, I think it hit the back of the net. Like it... So close. Hoppy, great display yet again, runs all over the field. And they were talking about this during the broadcast. And I like the comparison to a certain extent. They compared Matthew Hoppy to Clint Dempsey. And if you've listened to the show long enough or just know me in general, you know I think Clint Dempsey is the greatest American soccer player of all time and has been for a while. Now I feel like people are starting to come around the idea of Clint Dempsey being the quote-unquote goat of American soccer. But man, that's a that's a lofty comparison to make. But if you look at the willingness not to back down, or the unwillingness to back down, he does not back down from anybody. The tireless running, the swagger that he carries himself with, that is very similar to that of Clint Dempsey. And Clint Dempsey was always a forward by trade, but in the early stages of his national team career, he would play on the left wing in a 4-4-2 under the Bob Bradley era. 4-4-2, Donovan on the right, Clint Dempsey on the left. They kind of rotate back and forth on the wings. With Josie Altador and either one of Robbie Finley, Edison Buttle, Charlie Davies, Hercules Gomez, 
few other strikers in there. Chris Wondolowski, I can't name all the strikers that were up there with Josie Alter. None at all to the level of the strikers the United States has at their disposal now. Good Lord. And before the game started, uh, I saw Alexi Lawless posted a ranking of the United States' current strikers. It was top six. I might get this a little bit wrong because I'm not looking at it right now, but I think it read Zardis, Sargent, DK, Siabachu, Hoppy, and Weya. Okay? So that's the list. If you're talking about, yeah, they're all technically strikers, but Weya and Hoppy don't really play striker for the United States. Hoppy plays off the left, and he played off the right towards the end of the game. Weya has been playing primarily off the right for the United States when he's played. All the other guys have been strikers. And I agree 1,000% Zardes is the best striker the United States currently has. He can do everything that these other strikers can do. That's the thing. They all bring something different. Sargent brings an engine. DK brings the goal-scoring touch. Siabachu brings the athleticism. Zardes is all of that. Zardes is a tireless worker for the United States. He scores a lot of goals for the United States. And he's a great athlete. Like, everything that those three can do. Sergeant DK and Siabachu, Zardes can do all of that. He's all of that morphed into one. There were times where he kind of played off the right because he was tracking back on defense so far. But that's what he had to do. The United States defensively, A-plus effort from the boys defensively. Matt Turner, goalkeeper of the tournament, but not even really close, really. We went into the tournament going Andre Blake was the best. You have Alfredo Talavara up there as well from Mexico. And we're leaving the tournament saying Matt Turner was by far the best goalie in this tournament. Now, this tournament as a whole, I still think Andre Blake is a better goaltender, but as far as this tournament goes, Matt Turner was untouchable. He allowed one goal and was a freaking penalty, and he was relied on heavily by the United States this entire tournament because the attack was not there, really. They couldn't create anything on the wings. Midfield was sometimes marked out of the game completely, but it didn't matter. Because they continuously won games. They didn't draw a single game. They Sure, they won every game they played other than Martinique game won nothing, but they never drew. They never lost. They won every game they played. They played a great tournament. And if any questions or negative thoughts towards Greg Berhalter were in your head before the tournament started, they should be pretty far out of your head at this point. He's the fastest manager to ever reach 25 wins. Now he's on 26 on his birthday playing with a team that no one really liked going into this tournament. I was right, as like the main, the vocal minority on Twitter did not like this team. I mentioned it in the first video we did. I mentioned it in the first talk, first time we talked about the tournament when the squad was announced. This team is made to build the 2022 World Cup squad. This is not made to win the tournament. It's made to build the squad, but good Lord, they did that. And players like Miles Robinson, James Sands, Shaq Moore, Matt Turner, Kellen Acosta, Matthew Hoppy have put themselves in a great position going towards these World Cup qualifiers and going towards the 2022 World Cup. Miles Robinson, out of all the players on this team, has the best chance at this point in time to start. Now, I know the obvious one's going to be Matt Turner because of how well he played, but no one knows who that right side center back is for the United States right now. No one knows. It's everybody's best guess to try and figure out who that other center back next to John Brooks is. And right now, based off that tournament, it is very hard not to say it's Miles Robinson's spot to lose. Obviously, you've got Chris Richards. 
but he's going to need some playing time at club level, whether he goes to Hoffenheim or gets some at Bayern Munich, wherever, he needs he needs playing time. Mark McKenzie at Genk, he played in the CONCACAF Nations League final, obviously did not play well in the championship game against Mexico, gave up the penalty, and also allowed the first goal pretty much for Mexico, which is very fast in the game. Then you've also got Aaron Long, but he can't stay healthy. Walker Zimmerman, but I don't really know how much Greg Berhalter... I, I think he rates him. But comparatively to the other center backs, he does not play him in the big games. You see him in these types of teams where it's a predominant MLS team or it's a younger team. They need some sort of experience in the back. I don't know if Greg Berhalter would let him be that main center back next to John Brooks. And then obviously Tim Ream. But I think if you go with Tim Ream, you're going to play with a back three. James Sands, similarly. James Sands had a really good game today against Mexico. Not... Great games against Jamaica and Qatar. We've talked about that quite a bit, how he looks a little bit out of place. He looks a little bit uncomfortable in that back four, but he's still in the running for a World Cup spot ber- squad berth. Has to be. Great tournament for James Sands as a whole. Kellen Acosta, we have been saying this for a while, since the tournament started, that Kellen Acosta is the best set-piece taker this team has. He took set pieces when he first got called for the United States men's national team and somehow got pushed down to third in the pecking order. Somehow, Sebastian Legette was number one. I don't understand that logic at all. He can't take set pieces. He took the seniority, I'm the captain thing to a whole nother leather. Greg Berhalter loves himself since Sebastian Legette and whatever you think of Sebastian Legette and you don't really know what he provides to the team other than like a big engine, Greg Berhalter's picking him. No matter what you think of Sebastian Legette, Greg Berhalter, Greg Berhalter will pick him for the 2022 World Cup. I can almost guarantee that. He doesn't care what you think. Play, managers have favorite players, okay? And Sebastian Legette is that for Greg Berhalter. In the early stages, Jayassi Zardes under Greg Berhalter, he was a favorite player. Now he's the unquestioned number one, number nine for the United States. He should be unquestioned anyways. His work rate's through the roof. Love, love some Jayassi Zardes. But Acosta, back on set pieces, took a few corners in the game. Almost, he was trying to put some near post when Talavera was playing off his line a little bit on some corners. Didn't work, obviously, but that set piece, I loved him being on set pieces again. And Sebastian Legette ever stands on a, over, if he ever stands over a set piece with Kellen Acosta on the field, I will be very, very upset. Okay? Very upset. Because Acosta takes set pieces regularly. He can pinpoint a ball. He can place a ball anywhere on the field. I'd love seeing him back on set pieces, man. And out of the United States players, like in the team of the tournament, I don't know when they're going to release that, but Matt Turner's obviously going to be in the team of the tournament. Miles Robinson obviously has to be in the team of the tournament. Kellen Acosta's obviously going to be in the team of the tournament. You could make an argument for Sands. You can make an argument for Shaq Moore. So basically all the players are just named, but I think you could also add in maybe a Matthew Hoppy. Daryl DK was the team's leading scorer, so maybe you throw in Daryl DK there even though he didn't play in the final because he wasn't healthy. We knew this after the Canada game. He looked, he didn't play great against Jamaica, but that Qatar game, you could tell something was wrong. And he rightfully did not start this game. I didn't think he should have started against Qatar, but... Thankfully, Burhalter did not play him in this game. Now, if it got testy towards the end and they needed a goal, he would have definitely gone on. And the United States smartly, because this is what got Sweden into trouble against Ukraine in the, tw- the Euros. 
was they brought on a crap ton of attacking subs, and then their center back got a red card. Straight red card. And then they were screwed the rest of the game rest of the game and lost. Greg Berhalter waited. If he if that game was tied at that point, he's putting on DK. But after they got the goal, he's like, okay, now we can make a sub. Henry Kessler goes in. Hoppy, you played amazing. You ran all over the field, got beat up. You're off. That's great. The United States smartly used subs and smartly built this starting 11. A team that was tired, players that have played a lot of games this term, like Shaq Moore and Sam Vines, sat on the bench, started on the bench. Both came on later. Christian Roldan came on later as well for Williamson, who, in my opinion, was a surprise start. I thought of, I I talked about in the video that I was questioning Busio starting. I was not confident in him starting that game whatsoever. I thought Roldan would start. But to be fair, Williamson played very well in this game as well. Made a lot of moves. Got kicked in the head by Hector Herrera, which I thought was a straight red, but gave him a yellow. Whatever. I guess he didn't make full contact, but he kicked him in the head. Like, if a foot makes contact with a dude's head... That should be a straight red card, no matter what the situation is, or if he made that such little contact, or it, it doesn't matter. He kicked him in the freaking head. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, great game. Great tournament for the United States. No one gave them really a shot to win this thing, looking at the squad that they brought into the first day of the tournament. But man, what a tournament. Beat Mexico's B plus team. You can argue B plus to A minus team for Mexico. Because obviously, like, Raul Jimenez wasn't there. Irving Lozano got hurt in the first game, but he would have been there. Andres Grajado wasn't there. Guillermo Ochoa wasn't there. Like, you had some bigger-name players that did not play in this tournament for Mexico, but you still had Hector Herrera, Hector Moreno, who went down with an injury in this game. Don't know what's wrong, but hopefully a speedy recovery for him. Luis Rodriguez for them. Uh, Regalio Fuenes More is going to be a big player for them. This was his first chance in the Mexico national team. You got Pineda, you've got Jesus Corona or Jesus Corona, Talavera's experience. Like, you had a lot of experienced players. in the midfield, Edson, Edison, Alvarez, Jonathan Dos Santos. Like, you had a lot of experience in this team. It might not have been your best, best team, but it's pretty damn close. Much closer to what the United States is. The United States brought none of their best players. Their best player going into this tournament was probably Jesse Zardes. Probably. That would be my, looking at the squad at the start, you'd probably say Jesse Zardes or Daryl DK was the best player on this team. Not knowing what would happen in the tournament, that's what most people would probably said. Whew. Seven finals. Seven-time champion. They're one now behind Mexico. And Tata Martina, great coach. Nothing against Tata Martina. He is done. Tata Martina is out of the job. It doesn't matter how many games you win. If you lose to the United States, your biggest rival... Two times, not only two times in a calendar year, two times in championship games, the CONCACAF Nations League and the Gold Cup. Both games you were expected to win, and you lost. This game more so than the CONCACAF Nations League, because at least the Americans had Pulisic, McKinney, Reyna, all those guys. They didn't have those guys here. They had Sam Vines and... I don't know. what Before the tournament started, Matt Turner had one game, one cap for the United States. And now he's the best goalie in the tournament and is right behind Zach Steffen. And I want to make a full video about this. I'm not going to go into full details right now. I'm going to talk about the United States players that played very well in this tournament 
and the players who I think are pretty much a lock to go to this tournament for the 2022 World Cup. We'll talk about the competition between Stefan and Matt Turner and how Stefan will probably need to get some game time if he wants to keep up on Matt Turner. I think Burhalter will still pick Stefan, and I really like Zach Stefan, but Matt Turner's right behind him. It's not like this mammoth hole or the Grand Canyon-sized gap between Stefan and the next closest goalkeeper. It is probably about the length of my desk between Stefan and Matt Turner. I like Matt Steph- Zach Stefan a lot. He's been captain a lot under Greg Berhalter. I think probably the most. If you look at the history of Greg Berhalter as manager, I think Zach Stefan might have been captain the most by the United States. I think. I could be wrong about that. Looked it up because I'm not 100% sure on that. But Turner, good luck. He finished the game as the captain. Ariel got subbed out later in the game for Christian Roldan. He gave the captain's armband to Acosta. But pretty much just because he was right there. And then as the second extra time period started, Matt Turner was wearing the armband. Turner is good. And we've kind of joked about that whole thing that MLSsoccer.com posted about Matt Turner at this point is farther along than Zach Steffen was at the exact same point, even though Turner's older. He's still very good. He's clear past Ethan Horvath, who won't even play at Middlesbrough, or not Middlesbrough, Nottingham Forest. He won't even play there. He was a backup at Club Bruges. He's not playing, but still he'll be the third-choice goalie for the United States. Sean Johnson and Brad Guzan are pretty much aged out. Brad Guzan was the third-choice goalie in this tournament. You got Tim Melia still around, which I, I, I wish he got a cap because he's a very good goalkeeper. Most underappreciated goalie in MLS history, I would probably say. At least one of them, if not the most underappreciated goalie in MLS history. Oh, exciting. Exciting, 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 exciting. Love winning tournaments. It makes it even better when you beat your hated rival. And that game in the CONCACAF Nations League, that got chippy fast. There's a lot of fouls in this game, completely different types of fouls in the two games. This game tonight was very easy fouls. He didn't let them play on. It was a lot of light fouls, I would say. Like in the Colombia versus Argentina game, in the Copa America semifinals, there's like 30 fouls for Colombia. And there was about the same number of fouls for the United States tonight as there was for Colombia in that game. Colombia was kicking the shit out of Argentina. Those fouls were not similar, even though they had the same number. Not similar whatsoever. I wish they let them play a little bit more, but, you know, that's whatever. I could complain a little bit more if the United States lost the game, but they didn't. And they deserved it. It's not like they got completely outplayed. They stuck to their game plan. They relied really heavily on the counterattack in the first half. Paul Ariola missed a sitter, pretty much. One-on-one with Talavera and placed it right off the post. He had another chance in the, later in the first half, but that would have been an amazing goal if he scored it off his left foot. Tried to play it across the goal, but it would have taken an effort and a mishap by Talavera to score that, to allow that goal to go in. Man, crazy. Very mixed weekend for Logan. Not only because the United States winning the game was awesome, but Saturday, let's just back up. So we're on Sunday. Let's go to Saturday. Saturday was a very weird day for me, not because of anything sports-related. Saturday for Logan was just stressful because I am extremely introverted. I don't know if you if you know me, you might pick up on this. I mean, I talk a lot when I'm with people I'm aware, I'm, I know. Like, in a circumstance that I am comfortable in, I will be probably the loudest person there, or at least one of them. I host a freaking podcast. Like, I can talk to myself 
for hours if I wanted to. This show used to be two hours long. Like, I can talk for a long time if I'm comfortable with the situation I'm in. If I'm not, I will not say a word. I think that got me in trouble a little bit at William Penn because not a lot of people knew what, who I was or what I was about. And that's hard <laughs> for your quarterback not to be talking. It's kind of hard in that. But I, I kind of was reserved. I like to think I opened up a little bit. I did make some really good friends at William Penn, so I'm glad I opened up at least to some capacity because now I talk to them all the time. But I'm not good at random interactions. I hate it. It, it, it hurts everything. Every fiber of my being hurts getting thrown into a random interaction, especially when I'm not expecting it to happen, which I guess, I guess is the proper definition of random. It's kind of just you know random. But man, I was not in a good place on Saturday. And it was at Shields. I went with my friend Noah. And I, we had a couple weird experiences at Shields. Got recruited by, got cornered by some military recruiters one time. Not fun. Got stuck there for about an hour talking to these guys. Couldn't escape. We were up in the top floor by the corner. It used to be where all the soccer, like, is it still there? There's soccer stuff that used to be up in the top corner of the top floor in Shields. Got cornered there by two guys. Basically just jerking you off a little bit. Just talking about, oh, man, you're really big. You probably play a ton of sports. Man, you look like a great athlete. Oh, you could do this. Oh, man, you look so cool. Oh, my God. It was kind of one of those situations, like an ego booster. Like, okay, yeah, I know I'm sick. Thanks, but I'm not, I don't, I'm good. Thanks. Everything you want to do, you can do in the military. Ah, I can't, but uh, thanks, though. I respect you. Respect you a lot, but, man, I, it's not for me. Sorry. But this time... We're in Shields. Now I'm I'm going there basically to pick up some shorts. I need I need some new I need a new wardrobe essentially. I've no I wear the same thing all the freaking time pretty much. So I'm downstairs at first looking at all the shorts. Get a couple pairs of shorts. Go to this team section just to look at how much Cubs stuff is there. All the jerseys are cleaned out. No Baez, Brizzo, or Bryant stuff. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll close the show out with that because that was on Friday. And I get a Cubs shirt. So I get these two shorts and a cup shirt. And Noah's like, I want to go upstairs. We got to check out the golf clubs. I'm like, okay. I went golfing on last Sunday. So I, I'm I'm a pretty extreme golfer now. I, I'm not. I'm a shit golfer. And I don't like the prices of golf clubs. I don't know what the benefit is of them. If you golf for a long period of time or golf sometimes, you probably understand the mechanism behind or the, the, the technology behind each and every golf club. I go, that's a driver. That looks like something like a chip. That's a putter. I, I don't know. Driver, putter, got it. Everything else, don't know what it means. No clue. I'm I'm clueless. Eight, nine, two, three. I, I don't know. One's a putter. Don't know what number of drivers. Is it D? I, I don't know. But I go to the driver, and I'm looking at cause Drivers are freaking expensive every single time. They're, like, they're 400, uh, not even four. They're probably like $1,000. No, not that much. But it feels like it, looking at that. And this guy... Walks up, and he looks at the, the the driver with me, and he goes, "Oh, do you know that you under do you know the the difference between these things?" I go, "Oh no, I'm just looking around, uh, hoping the conversation ends there." And he goes, "Oh man, yeah, I went golfing last week, and did I? I don't remember what else really happened after that. Uh, my brain kind of shut off. I was there standing with this random dude in front of drivers for about twenty to thirty minutes. I did I." I was doing all the signs of uncomfortable, like trying to comfort myself. You know, those like 
I don't know what you really call them. They're like self-comforting things. I was like rubbing, I scratched my nose like 500 times. I scratched my leg. I rubbed my shoulder. I rubbed everything. I was like, you're triggering every negative thing in my body right now. I am not enjoying this conversation. And then I'm looking for Noah. I'm like, ah, Noah, where are you? Because Noah's just walking around. Noah, where are you? Can you help me out? And he's just walking around. I'm trying to make eye contact with some so he can go, oh, Logan needs help. I'm going to take Logan say, hey, we need to leave. And we leave. Shake dude's hand, leave. Five minutes max. That's even five minutes more than what I wanted to talk to this dude. I don't really go out looking for conversations to have with random people. It's not what I do. It's not how I roll. I don't know how I roll, but that's not one of them. But Noah's just walking around. And after I get done with this stupid conversation, Noah tells me he's just laughing at me the entire time. Because I, he knows how uncomfortable I am in these situations. And he's just sitting there laughing at me. This whole conversation, I was confused the entire time because I didn't know if he wanted to recruit me for the military or wrote me into some pyramid scheme. I had no idea what he was trying to get at. I was just like, I don't, I'm not, I'm giving you basic screensaver answers. I'm like, default answers. Like, what What do you identify as? This, this, or prefer not to say. That was pretty much what I was doing the entire time. Prefer not to answer. Give you the most basic answer I can. But when I get uncomfortable, I start to ramble a little bit. And this is a situation where I used my default answer, but I think I said the same thing about 500 times, which is what I kind of do on the show, but that's how you make a show longer, okay? Oh my god. I left. Once we finally checked out, and I spent over $100 on, which is the dumb part of Shields, I bought three things and spent $110. Like, you get a $25 from gift $25 gift card from Shields. The only thing you can buy is the big lead shoe at the front. You can't get anything at Shields for $25. And I spent $110 on two pairs of shorts and a shirt. Now, they all went down in price as I picked them out. The shorts were $40 and $35, which is ridiculous. And the shirt was $28. But, oh my god, I was crying. I was not, I wasn't crying, but I was laughing away my pain. Like, I remember Philip Rivers said this quote one time. It was, sometimes you just need to laugh to keep from crying. I was pretty much just laughing to keep myself from having a mental breakdown. That was pretty much the entire situation that was going on in my head. And we go down. So if you've ever been to Jordan Creek Mall, you leave the top floor of Shields, and there's like these little circle things. So you walk to the right of the circle things. You go a little bit more towards the center of the, the, center of the mall. There's another circle thing. And I'm like, hey, are we gonna, what are we doing? He wanted to go to Dick Sporting Goods and wanted to check out uh, Nordstrom Rack or something like that. He wanted to look at some cologne or something like that. And we're, we're going to start heading towards the, the stairs. And then all of a sudden, this dude calls out. He says, hey, hey, hey you, come here. I was like, ah, I made eye contact with him. Shit. This is not how I wanted to spend my day. I wanted to go to a relaxing day at the store and leave. And I told Noah about two seconds, I almost said minutes, two seconds before I said, I don't want another random interaction day. Dude says, hey, you, come over here. And I walk over because I'm an idiot. I engaged. I, I When I engage in something, I don't want to just walk away. It makes me feel gross. So now I've got my situation where I talk to a random dude for 20 to 30 minutes. Shook his hand like three times because I thought, oh, the conversation's going to be over. And I would let you know, I did not engage the handshake. I was like, oh, he's shaking my hand. This means that the conversation must be over. Nope. We're going to extend it longer. But I literally told no, I'm done with these. I'm done. My brain is going to explode. Or otherwise, I'm going to have a brain aneurysm or something. I don't know. And then he turns and says, hello. 
And if I walked away, my brain would have been hurting even more because I would have known that dude's probably talking crap about me and I don't like it. Made up scenarios that I made in my head. He might be. He could probably care less that I said something or didn't say anything. But I made eye contact with him like, crap, I can't turn away now. Otherwise, I look like a massive ass hat. This is going to be awful. And I walk towards dude and he's got one of those shoe cleaning kits. And if you've ever seen my white Nyjah Houston shoes, I think that the Nyjah 2 or whatever, they are brown and they're not meant to be brown they were white and i had a goal when i first got these shoes that i'm gonna make these shoes white i'm gonna keep them white forever first time i wore them i got out of my car and i hit my foot on the little pulley lever thing or the the lever that lifts that pops the engine i hit it on that so i had a nice black streak on it got the streak out and then i'm moving out of my house in cedar falls and i'm getting in the trailer and i fall over my shoe gets all rubbed in the dirt i'm like well that's it not making them clean anymore I tried. I put in a good on its two days work, and I'm done. It is done. <laughs> I can't. I can't keep these shoes clean. I'm horrible at keeping shoes clean. I kill my shoes almost every single time. I'm awful, awful at having nice shoes. I have one pair of Jordans that I've worn I think three times because I don't want to get them dirty under any circumstance because I am awful. I I, I don't even know where they are. They might be in my room upstairs. I don't know or my old room. I guess. I do not do good at that. So I see this guy offering to clean my shoes, and I have no idea what he's selling at first. And he says, put your foot up here. Slaps on this little tray thing. So I put my foot on there, and I just feel really weird. I feel like uh, the Captain Morgan dude standing there, and he hands me this box. It's like this $80 shoe cleaning kit that's half off for 40 And I had a good cop-out for buying this thing. I just bought $110 worth of crap at Shields. Which, to most people, it's like, oh, man, you got out of there pretty good, didn't you? Yeah, I did. The guy only spent $110. And I look at this thing, I'm like, I'm not buying this thing. He said, but on the free, uh, you get a free demonstration. So he cleaned my shoes. Shoes are a thousand times better than what they were. They're not perfect, but they're better. Which, anything b- above dirt is better for these shoes. And I was like, well, it looks a lot better. <laughs> I was like, well, am I going to get the other one for free? Or am I going to have to pay for the second one to get cleaner? I'm just walking around with two different colors of shoes. He said, oh, I can do the second one too if you give me like a tip or something. So I did. I, I was like, well, you kind of wrote me in here. I can't really escape this situation. You cleaned one shoe. At one time, speaking of that, one time at Sport Clips up in Waterloo, don't ask, I went there, got a haircut, and the lady, it was the first time i ever been here, and the lady just randomly goes, shaving time. <laughs> just starts shaving my face and she only shaved my right cheek she even shaved my, my mustache my whatever your beard it looked like that you know those pictures of like the monkey tail thing where they just shave the side of their face and shave a little part and then it's just connect it looks like a monkey tail look up pictures of a monkey tail beard if you don't know what i'm talking about but she saved half my face i got a garbage haircut and saved half my face i get home with my friend andrew just chilling in the kitchen and i'm like dude it looked like I got ran over <laughs> or just got mugged or something. I look awful. So it was kind of like that situation. Was like, do I look, do I keep a half shaved face or do I pay a little, do I go and shave myself? And I went with the option that I didn't even explain of just getting the dude to do the other one too and gave him, and I, I have, I have cash in my wallet. I told him I'd pay and give him a tip in cash. I pulled out because my wallet, my, my wallet's a mess. I got roasted for it last time I went bowling. My wallet's a complete and utter mess. I need to clean it out a little bit. I cleaned it out somewhat a few weeks ago. I have a gift, a coupon for a free Whopper that I expired in 2013 that I got at my senior after prom, which was in 2016. 
I, I keep that in there just because I, I think it's hilarious. So I pulled out $40. <laughs> this thing that I'm told them I'm not buying is $40. It's like, crap. Looks like I'm giving a $20 tip because I ain't giving him $40. i am not buying the stupid thing. Oh, my God. And luck would have it. My awesome dog, Bear, runs into the house with dirty feet, gets mud all over our basement floor, and Noah goes, well, you could have used the shoe signing clip there. Ah, oh, thanks, now. I, I was not buying that thing. That was an awful experience at the mall. And the cap off, that friggin' Javi Baez slaps a dinger in the Mets get absolutely obliterated the baseball. Good Lord. Absolutely obliterated the baseball with the New York Mets. And Rizzo also hit a home run. And then today, Chris Bryant hit a home run with the Giants. Ah, it's just an awesome day. And that leads me into the last thing I want to talk about. The Friday before the weekend started. The weekend for Logan was pretty eventful. I watched Space Jam 1 and 2 today. I've seen Space Jam 1 about a thousand times. Space Jam 2, I mean, I get it's for kids. Okay? It's pretty ass. I'm just going to say it like that. It's pretty ass. It doesn't even involve space. Which is, you know, you think that because it's in the title. It, it Nothing in that movie involves space. It's all internet. It's a server verse or something like that. It doesn't involve space whatsoever. It's pretty ass. I mean, I like... The first, they're both made for kids. The first one's at least watchable. The second one, I did not enjoy the second one. I'm t I keep telling myself, it's made for kids. It's made for kids. It's made for kids. Kids movies can be ass too. I don't care. Space Jam 1 is not the greatest. It's not a, a Mona Lisa. It's not the ama most amazing movie ever. But compared to Space Jam 2, that doesn't involve space. And LeBron is acting like he's made... It's not... The biggest problem I had in Space Jam 2 was that LeBron does not act like he does in Space Jam 2 in real life. I refuse to believe LeBron acts like that. It's not anything like horrendously bad. He's not going around, oh, I'm going to kill somebody today. I don't think he goes around doing that either. I don't think LeBron's a dickhead to his kids like he was in the movie. That's just what I think about it. I, and there were some weird lines in there like Bugs Bunny pulls out a thing of TNT and LeBron goes, is that TNT? Well, they're hurtling like 80 miles an hour down a freeway, falling off a cliff and LeBron just monotone as possible. Is that TNT? Yeah, ass movie. But Friday, Rizzo's traded. We did the whole show last Friday about Rizzo getting traded knowing Brian's going to get traded at some point. I think I might have said Baez is not getting traded. I thought Baez would be the one caveat to this team that stays. Wilson was obviously staying as well. Figured that one out as well. Woke up Friday morning. Already recorded the show. Woke up Friday morning, and I'm getting the alert that the Mets are in talks of getting Bryant and Baez. Didn't believe the Bryant thing. The Baez thing scared me. I didn't think the Mets would go in for Bryant. I mean, I talked about that because the Mets were, you know, big money, but not Bryant and Baez. If Baez was in the mix, they were going for Baez. I heard later that was between Baez and Kimbrell, not Baez and Bryant. But Baez obviously had the quote of talking about Francisco Lindor, which he's talked about for years. It, I don't know why it got popped up now, but it got circulated, circulated again because of the fact he's on the trade market, the Cubs are sellers, and... I'm talking to my grandma at the office. I'm having a bad day. Obviously, your your lifelong Cubs fan and your favorite players, the three greatest players of your lifetime, and during the greatest era of possibly Chicago Cubs history is coming to an end. Actually, no, not arguably. The greatest era of Chicago Cubs baseball ever ends in 2021. You just had Mr. Cub of my generation traded to the freaking Yankees, 
and he looks miserable. He's hit two home runs in his first two games and looks miserable. The Yankees are not fun at all. I don't understand. Other than winning, I don't even even do that now. Other than the 27 World Series, I don't understand how anybody's a Yankees fan. Other than you can buy the best players and you have the most World Series. That's it. Because they are not enjoyable to watch. They don't have any fun on the field. And that's what hurts about this Cubs team being dismantled. That team was fun. They all came up together. Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Contreras, Hendricks, the five best players of my lifetime, all came through the farm system. Yes, they traded for Hendricks, they, Hendricks, they traded for Rizzo, but they came up through the system. They didn't come to the Cubs and it was instantly go, starter. Rizzo came to the Padre, come from the Padres and worked his way back up. He came to AAA, dominated, moved up. Hendricks, same, similar story. Came from the Rangers, though. And then, I'm talking to my grandma about this, about this, uh, the existential crisis I'm having as a sports fan. And then I go, I'm going back in my office, because I didn't have my phones at the time. I have two phones. Self, kind of a flex, I guess. Two phones. One of them is my personal phone. The other one's my work phone. So I get my updates from, you know, my teams on my personal phone. I said, if I go back there, and I see Bias has been traded, I'm going to scream. I'm wearing my Thou Shall Not Steal shirt. You can see it in the latest U.S. video I did that I'm wearing my Thou Shall Not Steal shirt. It's like a, like a what, $10 to $15 shirt I got on eBay or some other ones. The logo was freaking massive. It looks like it was made for a quadruple X shirt on a large or extra large. I don't know how big the shirt is, but logo is massive nonetheless. And I got my Rizzo jersey on in mourning. And then Sean, who works in our office, yells, Logan, he's a Cubs fan as well. I just go, no, 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 no. Bye is gone to the Mets and Trevor Williams to cap it off. Trevor Williams. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. That one didn't really affect me that much, but Baez. We talked about Rizzo a lot, obviously, because he was the only cup traded at the time, but. And I've talked about this a bunch on the show in general. There is, and I, I will die on this hill. I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this because I'm going to get some people frustrated because says, oh, Fernando Tatis does the same thing. Baez is as good as Fernando Tatis if he's on. The only problem is he's inconsistent. If Baez is consistent, he is better than Fernando Tatis. I will die on that hill. Don't care. Do not care. Baez is a better defender than him. Baez has more pop in his bat than him. He's bigger than him. Baez is better than Tatis if Baez is inconsistent. That's the problem, though. So that's a little interesting factoid with the whole Baez thing compared to Francisco Lindor. Baez was second in the MVP voting when Christian Yelich won it a few years ago. And then COVID hit, and the Cubs didn't have a crowd. For a player that thrives off the energy of the crowd, that hurt. So going to the Mets, a team that is fun. They have a lot of fun players on the team. Pete Alonso, you watch him in the home run derby, just dancing the entire time. Francisco Lindor. Like, they've got some fun players on this team. Jim DeGrom's untouchable, even though he's hurt again. I don't know what's going on with him this time, but hurt again. They have fun. Baez is perfect for the New York Mets. The only problem is he was more perfect for the Cubs. And watching him go, watching these players, geez, watching these players go up 
through Iowa, which is where I'm from, obviously, and most of you are listening to the show are from Iowa, you get a little more connected. I remember watching Baez in Iowa and getting so excited for him. So excited. And I remember in Iowa, Baez was bigger than Bryant, which is weird to think about. Bryant, obviously, GOAT prospect in the Cubs system, drafted second overall, MVP. We'll talk about Bryant in a little bit. We're going in order of the trades happening. And I just loved Baez. This dude that didn't care, dude just tried things. What other people were too afraid to try, Baez tried them. Like, trying to steal home. He did that a shit ton. Trying to steal. He's not the greatest stealer of all time. He got beat by a lot on a lot of his steals. But you know what? There was not a better player getting out, swimming around tags than Baez. There's not a better tagger in the field than Baez. And then when he hits a ball, now he can be frustrating. When he swings at a slider, 0-2 slider, that's nowhere near the zone. And you know he's swinging at it. He was my favorite player. And I think a lot of people's favorite players. And I think I mentioned this on Friday. You can break into almost anything that I have. It involves a few words before, but my all my codes end with 944. By Brian, jeez, Baez and Rizzo, nine four four. Javi is the most exciting player the Cubs have ever had. Obviously, Sammy Sosa is going to be up there as well, but no one the Cubs have had did the things that Baez did. Obviously, Ernie Banks still the greatest Cub of all all time. I would say, I think most Cubs fans would agree with that. But, man, he was the one guy that all the big three that were getting linked with trades that they would keep. He was in the team Thursday where Bryant and Rizzo were not. Baez was on the team. He played. So my mind's like, oh, Baez is safe. Rizzo and Bryant aren't in the team. They're getting traded. We knew that. You can just go through all the highlight tapes of what Baez did especially on the way to the World Series in 2016, what he's done since then with the Cubs. Good Lord. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm, I was more emotional on Thursday or on Friday's show because I recorded it as it happened. I've had a couple days to collect my thoughts and collect my emotions and be more composed this time as opposed to Thursday or Friday. I record Thursday, post-Friday. Bryant Bryant and Byers were traded on Friday. I had Saturday and all of today and Friday. They got traded at 3 on Friday. So I had 3 onwards till 10 or 11 o'clock today. But man, there's not a lot more exciting players than Javi Baez. And then of course... He destroyed a baseball in his first game with the Mets. It'll never look normal to me, any of these players in these places. And then Bryant getting traded to the Giants. Played college ball out there, played in San Diego. I know it's not close, but played in San Diego, played in California. Born in Vegas. He's a West Coast kid. 
You saw the motion of Bryant when he got the call that he got traded. You saw that more. I saw longer videos on the Cubs pregame than I saw on Twitter because I watched the, the the game against the Washington Nationals that evening, Friday night, after the team just got dismantled and they tried to figure out. They traded nine players. Nine players. That's ridiculous. They had to try and figure out a way to win somehow or at least field a team. You trade your three best relievers, Kimbrell to the White Sox, Tapera to the White Sox, and Chafin to the A's. Then you got Trevor Williams from the Mets. You got Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, Marsnick. Marisnik, sorry. All gone. I don't like dealing with the White Sox. I don't know why they did it. Now, they did get Nick Madrigal, which I really like. Nick Madrigal is a beast, but he's coming off a torn hamstring, so he's not going to play it all this year. But, man, they got a nice reliever in form as well. They got a few nice pitchers from the the Yankees. They got the Mets' top five prospect. Yeah. They lost a lot of money, too. They cut a lot of money. But Bryant, MVP, rookie of the unanimous rookie of the year, MVP, got the ball, Bryant to Rizzo. It just had to be Bryant and Rizzo for that last out in the World Series. Had to be. Just had to be. The faces of the franchise at that time, had to get that the reigning the 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 current MVP of the league, coming off a lot of injuries that he's had with the Cubs and started to play well again. He made an All Star team, which was awesome. He's been very versatile, which has been awesome to see. But man, the three greatest players of my lifetime are all gone. Of my lifetime, everybody's lifetime, or not everybody. Like if you're 23 or younger or whatever, I don't know. Best players for the Chicago Cubs in the 21st century. By far. Not even close. Like, you can make your arguments for Sammy Sosa. Go ahead. Amaramas Ramirez, Kusuke Fugadome, Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor. You can make all these arguments. They're falling on deaf ears. These are the three greatest Chicago Cubs players of all time in the 21st century. And three of the greatest Chicago Cubs players of all time. If you're making an all-time team... Those three are in it. I don't care where you put them. Those three are in it. An infield of Rizzo, Banks, Baez, and Bryant. And Ryan Sandberg would also Ryan Sandberg would also have to be up there as well. You could probably put Bryant in the outfield. Either way, those guys are in the team. You might not like it because baseball is really history driven, and they love their old players. But you can't erase the impact or not or diminish the impact that these three players had. Rizzo was on some terrible ass teams. Baez had ups and downs in his early stages of his career. His sister died. He went down to the minors, stuck stuck it out there in the minors for a little bit, came back up, became an MVP candidate. Bryant, rookie of the year, MVP, all three of them, World Series champions, ended the drought, played huge roles in getting to the World Series and played huge roles in the World Series. And no matter how inconsistent, I was telling Noah this yesterday, no matter how inconsistent they were batting, that infield was always consistent fielding. The two best fielders in their positions, Rizzo and Baez, always consistent. Now Baez will have that one head-scratching or frustrating play every once in a while, but goodness gracious, the tags he would throw were just insane. And I wish them nothing but the best. I love the fact... Though they're gone, 
I love the fact that they're all on teams that can at least push. Brian Baez more so than Rizzo. Because the Yankees are a freaking mess. I fully expect, after seeing the videos of Rizzo with the Yankees, I fully expect Rizzo to be back. So, I don't think, I think if any of them come back, Rizzo's almost a guarantee. I don't know if Baez and Bryant will come back. And this team, I saw this tweet earlier, because they have some nice players. This isn't like a complete rebuild. Like in 2012, when this team was ass, like ass ass, this team is a thousand times, but this team right now would kill that team. I'm confident in saying that. You didn't have a Kyle Hendricks on that team as a pitcher. You didn't have a Patrick Wisdom on this team. You didn't have Wilson Contreras. Like, this team craps on that team. And you look at the current roster that the Chicago Cubs have, and it's nothing that'll blow you away. I've been getting texts throughout the weekend of, sorry about this, and then my friend Tom texts me, is like, broke-ass bitches, can't afford your three best players, or something along those lines. But... This team's not awful, okay? It's not great, but that's what happens when you trade the three greatest players of the 21st century. That's what happens. You don't have a great major league team right away. You've got a lot of good young prospects. Brendan Davis is still coming up. Nico Horner's injury. We talked about Nick Madrigal. Ed Howard, the shortstop from Chicago, is going to make his way up. Miguel Amaya, the catcher. Uh, Braylon Marquez, the pitcher. You've got... Pro- and then the, the players they got. Also, Greg Diekman, who they got from... The A's, or Deichman, I don't know how to say his name yet. He's been playing down in Iowa. They got him in the Andrew Chafin trade. Justin Steele is about to make his way up. Alexander Vizcano is about to make his way up. Like, there's, this team is not, it's not, like, the greatest situation of all time. But you've got pieces. Pete Crow Armstrong from the Mets. He's a top prospect for the Cubs. Same draft as Ed Ed, Ed Oliver. Ed Howard. And you look at the current roster. Ortega is a freaking animal right now. He's been the leadoff hitter ever since Jock Peterson got traded, other than playing against left-handed pitchers. But ever since Jock Peterson got traded, he's been leading off. He's batting 319 right now. He just smacked three home runs today. The Cubs had five hits today against the Nationals. Four of them were Rafael Ortega, which is what you want from your leadoff hitter. And the Cubs have not had that since Dexter Fowler left for St. Louis. That is the last time they've had a leadoff hitter. And I know people want to talk about, oh, the best thing about the Cubs in those World Series days was the fact that they had a mystery lineup almost every day. Yeah, you did in every other part except for the leadoff spot. You knew Dexter Fowler was leading off. Joe Mann always said, as you go, we go. With Dexter Fowler. If Dexter Fowler's on, the rest of the team is on. And imagine he didn't ditch that press conference in Baltimore. Imagine he went to the Raiders, uh, geez, Orioles, and didn't come back for that World Series team. I don't think they win the World Series without Dexter Fowler. Huge impact on the Cubs. Not the greatest player of all time, but huge impact on the Chicago Cubs. And not that he's a similar player or similar level of Dexter Fowler, Rafael Ortega's playing great right now. And he's a he's older. He's 30 years old. But he's playing awesome. And then you've obviously got Wilson Contreras, one of the best catchers in baseball. No matter what he's doing his bat-wise, like we said, bat-wise, sure, it can be a little inconsistent. He's never inconsistent fielding. 
If you look at side-by-side -side videos of him and Yadier Molina as far as fielders go, they're eerily similar. They play the game the exact same way. Hard on your sleeve, don't care what anybody else thinks of what you do, you're going to throw that person out at second, or first, or third, no matter what. The best thing Wilson Contreras does better than anybody in the league right now is pick off people at first base. No one does it better than Wilson Contreras. I'll die on that hill. And he looks just like Yachty in regards to throwing people out at second base. And not having Baez there, which, to be fair, I will say this, there are throws that he has off. Every catcher, no catcher's perfect. Baez made those throws look good sometimes. And that's another thing they're missing from Baez. We talked about the glove, but man, that connection that him and Contreras had. You see that play in the World Baseball Classic with Baez pointing to Molina when he tags out the runner at second. You had those similar situations with Contreras. And he is the face of the Chicago Cubs. This is his team. And I can't think of a better player to lead this young group of players forward. Hardworking. Will not back down from anybody. That's the type of player this team needs to lead them back to a good standing. Because they're not going to be great. Everybody knows this. They're not going to be the best team in baseball. They're, they're not making the playoffs. We're not even talking about playoffs. But once Rizzo comes back, because again, I'm fairly confident Rizzo comes back. He looks miserable with the Yankees. I do not believe he's going back to the Yankees this year. They got Luke Voigt. I think they'll be fine with Luke Voigt. Rizzo is a thousand times the player Luke Voigt ever will be, but Rizzo will leave the Yankees. I, I refuse to believe Rizzo stays a Yankee. He looks miserable. So with Rizzo coming back, hypothetically, you also got Patrick Wisdom, who is one home run behind... Wilson Contreras for the lead, lead for the lead on the Chicago Cubs roster. Technically, Baez still leads the team with 22 home runs, but right now on this current team, Wilson Contreras is with 17, I think, 17 or 18, and then Wisdom has 16. Wisdom's playing first now. He looks a little awkward sometimes at first base, but he he'll do a job. Him and Contreras are the two best players on this team right now. Uh, in regards to feelers, if you're talking about overall team, it's Contreras and Hendricks. But on the field side, it's Contreras and Wisdom. And then Nico Horner's up there as well, playing second or short wherever he plays. I like Sergio Alcantara. He's not the greatest player of all time, but I like him. He looks like a very nice guy. He's got a really strong arm, very quick glove, similar to that of Baez, nowhere near the player of Baez, but is, has some similarities there. And I like him. Very inconsistent at the bat at times, but I like him. And then somehow got Andrew Romney coming up, but I Romine coming up. Sorry, I'm I'm not all hope is gone Logan yet because there are good pieces on this team still. This is not the dumpster fire of the Cubs in the early 2010s. Sure, you lost the three greatest players of the 21st century. Sure, you traded them away, but their legacy will live on. What they did will never be forgotten. And as a person that grew up watching the Chicago Cubs and grew up during the terrible, terrible teams they had, those three were awesome. And I, you don't even need to be a Cubs fan to know that. Their relationship off the field is also what made it special that they were together all the time. It wasn't like we're here for baseball purposes. They all wanted to be Cubs forever. You could tell by the way they talked about it. They all wanted to be Cubs forever. They're all very humble individuals. I know Baez is the flashy player on the field. That dude does not talk really that much off the field. 
On the field, yeah, he's flashy. He'll do all the stuff off the field. That dude does not say anything. That dude is is an introvert at heart. Same with Rizzo. and I think Rizzo's an extrovert. Bryant, I think, is a little bit of an introvert. But they all loved each other. That's what made that World Series so special. And why they didn't give up. Why they locked down 3-1 and didn't throw in the towel. That team loved each other. Contreras. All these players are awesome. And it's sad to see them go, yes, I've had a few days to collect my emotions about this. I remember I was scrolling on Twitter Friday. I called my dad because, you know, you grow up watching the same teams. You grow up watching games with your dad, watching Chicago Cubs play. And you see, you're scroll- talking to him on the phone while you scroll up and see, a there it is, picture of Javi Baez in a Mets uniform. Just calling him about the trade, and that was the first time I saw a picture of it. And I choked up a little bit. Not going to lie. The problem is, the main issue with all of this, I've talked about this on the show since last year, I have expected Bryant to get traded for a while now. So it hurts me to say, but I was the least emotional about Bryant getting traded. Mostly because of the fact I had accepted it a while ago, which is not great for me to say. I love Bryant. Bryant's one of the greatest players in Cubs history. Won an MVP, won a World Series. Love Chris Bryant to death. But I had been building this up in my mind that it was happening. Ever since the arbitration hearing, I was like, okay, he's getting traded at some point. And then they won the division somehow. Don't know how the hell that happened. I had them coming in third in the division this year, and they're coming fourth because they're, n- they're not going to be as bad as the Pirates, right? <laughs> that would be miserable. Well, I expected it. Rizzo and Baez, I'd been saying for a while, we're never going to get traded. And they did. So I was a lot more emotional for them than Bryant, which is, I don't know. That's just how I looked at it. It sucks for all three of them. I, I'm liking that they're in places that they can at least compete. At least try. The Yankees that can try. Mets and Do- Gi- Giants can compete. All three of them hit home runs in their first game. Not surprised. Loved it. Loved seeing it. Brighten up my day, seeing those three hit home runs in their first games with their teams. And, Yeah. Back to the lovable losers, I guess. <laughs> I, I think they got like a five-year window. and Because this team can be built up through the farm. They've got some nice pieces there. It's not the dumpster fire that it once was. They've got some good farm pieces. This team can be good. I think their window will open back up sometime between... Or sometime around 2025. I texted some friends or sent a picture to the lineup of the lineup to my friends... And saying 2025 World Series. And obviously that's in jest, tongue-in-cheek, whatever. But I think that's where it, it can get talked about again. Because this team isn't atrocious yet. This team still has good pieces that are coming up through the farm system. And good pieces now. We'll talk about Wilson. We talked about Wisdom. Horner, Madrigal. Rizzo's coming back. So you have an infield, hypothetically, of Contreras, Rizzo, Madrigal, Horner, and Wisdom. That's a pretty solid infield. That's a good infield right there. Horner playing shortstop, Madrigal playing second. And then an outfield of Brennan Davis. Who else would be in that outfield? Would I don't think Ortega would still be there, would he? Hap will probably still somehow be around. <laughs> don't know how, but he'll somehow still be there. But yeah, I, I can get behind that team. I, I'm My mom told was asking me about this after the Rizzo trade that some people follow players. Stuff like that. And I, I can get why people do that. But 
I told her this. I told my nana and pop this because I hung out with them on Friday night, watched the Cubs versus Nats game. I was like, I was a Cubs fan before Bryant Rizzo and Baez. I'll be one after. They may be in a Cubs fan awesome, but I'm a Cubs fan first. And it's sad to see your favorite players go, but yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, good luck to the rest of the season for those guys. Hope to see all of them back in Chicago. I know it's not happening, but I, I want one of, one of them will come back. Rizzo will probably be the guy that comes back. I can see Baez, but Baez I, I, playing with Lindor will be awesome. But I, He's going to have to set his ego aside because he's going to play second base. He doesn't want to do that, but he's going to have to. He said he would, but he doesn't want to do that. But yeah, good luck with you guys for the rest of the time out of the season. Good luck in your futures if you don't come back to Chicago. You're great. That's pretty much it. That's all I can really say about the matter. And I know I said over the past like week I would have a paper ready for today about the draft since we're in August now, and football comes back on Thursday, which is ridiculous to think about. Sunday night, Thursday night football, Hall of Fame game, Steelers-Cowboys. Can't believe we're already in NFL season, but we're back. I said I'd have an NFL draft thing ready. I don't. I need to adjust the rankings a little bit because I spent most of this weekend either having an existential crisis, crying about the players, or watching Space Jam 1 and 2 and watching the United States kick Mexico. I I almost said kick their ass. They just won. (laughs) They didn't kick their ass. They deserved to win. They won. It was a busy week, a busier weekend than I was expecting. So yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll have a video coming out for you for the United States in the World Cup coming very soon. So make sure you stay out, stay on the lookout for that. So with that being said, I'm Logan Blackman. Go follow me on all forms of social media. Subscribe to the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And I will see you all later. Peace.